This is the Stop Time Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Hopkins, and I'm here to engage you in thought-provoking motivational conversations around practicing the art of living in the moment. I'm a certified life coach, and I'm excited to dig deep and offer insights into embracing who we are and where we are at. So my next guest is an award-winning actor, writer, comedian, and producer from Toronto, Canada. He has performed on stages all over North America and can be seen in award-winning television shows and films on networks such as CBC, Netflix, Amazon, USA Network, and BBC America, among others. Uh, 14 years ago, in March of 2008, a tumor the size of a grapefruit was found resting on his heart. He was 25. The diagnosis, stage three acute non-Hodgkin's T lymphoblastic lymphoma, an aggressive form of cancer that would require equally aggressive chemotherapy treatment over the next two years of his life. His Canadian comedy award-winning one-person show, Cancer Can't Dance Like This, toured across the country for 10 years, playing in almost every major city in Canada and parts of the U.S. while raising over $100,000 for cancer-related charities. Most recently, he has penned his memoir called Comedian, The Comedian Versus Cancer, The Show Must Go On, which is available now on Amazon and all major online book distribution platforms. The Comedian Versus Cancer is Daniel's first book, and I'd love to introduce you all to Daniel today. Daniel? Hey. Dolphy. <laughs> yes. Hi, Daniel. Thank Hi, thank you so much for that. That was great. Amazing. So thanks for joining me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, I was just saying that um, I stumbled across you um, when I was visiting my dad in Ottawa. And as a fellow Canadian, I thought, hell yeah, this is this is really cool. I would love to hear a little bit more about your origin story. Honestly, take us back, like way back to when you sort of, I really believe that, that you know, we, we are who we are. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, if we look back, we can discover like elements of it. Like, can you sure. take me back to your origin story and how you got here? Yeah. I mean, we're going to start uh, all the way back. Yeah. Born in Guelph, Ontario, which was just, at the time when I was born, I think the population was 60,000. It was a small, small city. I come from Italian immigrant parents. My parents uh, were born in Italy and, uh, you know, so I was raised very, very much uh, in that traditional Italian household. You know, Thanksgiving, we were eating lasagna, not turkey. You know, like, uh, we still continue to make jars of tomatoes in our basement and sausages and all that kind of stuff. Uh, most Italians in Guelph would go to Catholic schools, right? Uh, but my parents were public school teachers. So they would feel weird about sending their uh, son to a Catholic school if they're in the public school system. So they, so we did public school. So I was like the only Italian in my, in, in the school. So everything about like culturally for people was such a, like a big culture shock for them, but it, it gave me, um, a uniqueness and it was like a really, really great thing. I had this big curly hair too, and I would, uh, I'd rock it, uh, pretty, pretty wildly and loudly. <laughs> Uh, so I was a loud kid. I was very loud. I'm the baby of three. I always liked the attention and I always, I was very much somebody who liked getting on stage. And I knew from a very young age that I loved making people laugh. It was something I loved doing. And I'd always use school as like this testing ground of like, how can I get the biggest laugh out of any situation? So I was kind of a class clown, but I did it with, I was like a classy class clown. I didn't just make a... <laughs> 
like uh, a scene for no reason. I would, I would always just tell the, try to tell the right joke at the right time mm. uh, to bring ease to the class kind of thing. That was always my, I love doing it. And, uh, and then I pursued that after I studied theater for four years at the University of Guelph. So I stayed in Guelph. Mm. My entire schooling career was basically all on one street in Guelph. My, my grade school, my middle school, my high school, my university were all on a, a street called College College Ave, ironically enough. I basically grew up on that, that street and then I moved to Toronto. And I pursued comedy to the Second City and Bad Dog Theater improvisation. I joined a bunch of sketch comedy troops, really honing my skills. And then, of course, you know, diagnosed with with cancer, stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, which just sort of derailed everything that I was doing. I'm already really curious about a few things. One is um, going into the arts in general can be um, obstacle ridden, even within the family structure, let alone... Yeah. I mean, I, I have no experience myself with, you know, pursuing comedy, um, mm-hmm. but I can imagine that there must have been an element or maybe not. Tell me, tell me, it, was there any resistance? Was it difficult to, to say, I want to prove, you know, I want to do this. How did that? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was definitely not uh, something that was originally like encouraged. Again, my parents were uh, in the, in, were teachers and they always, you know, wanted us to go to uh, higher education kind of thing. But I knew my end goal was to be an actor and a comedian. So I kind of was like, well, I'll take theater. And I was like, so kind of in this weird way to, I had applied to other schools, Ryerson, York, but I didn't get in. And Guelph was kind of like my fourth option on the list. And I had only put it on the list because my folks were like, just put it on, just, just put it as one of the places you'll go. And sure enough, that's where I went. And I went to uh, theater school for four years there. Now, theater and acting sounded more legitimate to my parents than me saying, I'm going to be a comedian. Right. So I kind of hid it under this like veil. And I remember my sister being like, you don't have to go to, if you want to be a comedian, you don't have to go to, you know, university for it. You should get out there and like do stand up." So there was like encouragement there to just like, you know, forget the higher education thing and go like, just do the thing, like go do the thing. But I, I went uh, the route of uh, the theater program and I'm so happy that I did because I met so many people that are still in my life today and helped shape my entire, you know, career and the show. And, you know, I met my wife in university and, uh, uh, and there's a, a whole crazy story about that too. So all these things happened, you know, for a reason, and maybe I wasn't necessarily I was, I was I was always trying to like push against it like I didn't want to be in Guelph anymore but the the people that I met there and the and the experiences that I had are still with me today and uh I can't imagine a, a different path at this point yeah. so yeah mm-hmm. it's fascinating isn't it because I, I hear that and I think I think we so many of us in the arts hear that sort of idea that, you know, there's something legit, something to fall back on, you know, all this fear-based kind of, I mean, mm-hmm. it, it is, I mean, yeah, education is great. It's funny how it doesn't get positioned as great, pursue what you want. And yeah, you can, yeah. you know, education is great for everything. So why not? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to just in case, right? I can understand that. Yeah. 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 No, it yeah. makes sense. Okay. So then you got your degree. So you've sort of, you, you, then you were ready, right? Then you're like, okay, there's my ticket. 
Yeah. And <laughs> what was the next thing? Like you guessed. Yeah. Talk to me about that. What happened then? Like, yeah, I moved to Toronto as soon as I graduated from university. I got a really small apartment in Kensington Market in Toronto, which is this really like kind of like hipstery kind of cool markety kind kind of place. And I was like, I'm doing it. I'm living the dream. I'm going to get an agent. I went and got my first acting agent and I had How my, did you do that? Did you knock on doors? Did you send yeah, resumes? Did you I sent I I got headshots done. Maybe the most expensive headshots, you know, ever, which was I didn't know anything. So here was the other thing too. It's like even though I went to school for theater, they don't really prepare you for the real world of like what it is to be an actor. So we never were taught how to get an agent and how to do this. And I knew I wanted to be a TV and film actor as well. I knew the stage was something that was going to be more of like my place to perform like stand-up comedy kind of thing and theater as well, but in a comedic kind of forum. So like sketch comedy and improv and that kind of thing. So uh, I got an agent by basically looking up on, you know, Google, how do you get an agent? It was like, here's your resume, put a resume together, get your headshots done and make your little pitch package. And then follow-up call, follow-up, check their websites, blah, blah, blah. So I did that for about 10 agents. Two of them got back to me. One was very sketchy and the other one was also sketchy, but uh, she took me on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was my first agent. And, and, you know, she got me my first gig and and that was a, uh, they did a plaster cast mold of my face and I was a dead Spartan soldier in the movie 300. Oh, she know that movie. So (laughs) that was my first gig. I yeah, love I got it. 50 bucks for that one. So. That's amazing. That's mm-hmm. amazing. If you could look back now and tell yourself, because how many years ago are we talking? When when was that approximately? We've been 2005, 2006. So yeah. 17 years. Yeah. 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 If you could go back and ask uh, or tell um, yeah. Daniel, and how old were you then? Like 21? I've been 21. Yeah. 22, maybe. Yeah. What would you tell him? Oh, what I have told him. I think I would have. I think I would have told him not to rush. Don't, mm. you don't have to push any of this stuff. I was so eager. I was so eager to get it, get my foot in the door and like, and just say yes to everything. And I, I had no clue what I was doing, but I was doing it with, with intention. I was doing it with like uh, bravado and confidence. Like, it's like, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make this happen. I wish I knew more. I wish I knew what I know now. I mean, I think you can always say that, you know, looking back on things, but uh, I'm really proud of, of that Daniel as well, because he wasn't taking no for an answer and he was, and it was going to make it happen no matter what. And so I, I kind of, I admire that, that confidence, you know, and I admire that, uh, that blind faith, I guess, that I had the gumption, you know, to mm-hmm. do it. It's like, I, I admire that because as you get older and as you, you start to get into the industry and you start to get worn down a little bit and the reality of, of what actually goes into why you get a part or why you don't and kind of you start to question yourself and your ability. Those questions were never there for young Daniel. Young Daniel was going to get everything. Like <laughs> young Daniel was after it. Now, cancer was a huge punch in young Daniel's uh, everything, spirit, ego, uh, confidence, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it humbled it humbled me and, uh, and, um, it made me a lot more mature, uh, very quickly too. Yeah. So I learned a lot 
certainly mm-hmm. slowed you down, right? Like you say. Oh, yeah. 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 It's interesting. Um, you, you talked about, you know, how much you admired young Daniel for um, mm-hmm. really for his just not taking no for an answer, I think is what you said. Mm-hmm. And that ability that he had to to sort of just say, we're, we're talking about saying no, right? Or talk to me about no. What does no, what does no represent to you? How does it show up in your mm-hmm. life? Well, I've, I, you know, boundaries and things are something that you, I think, learn how to put up as you get a bit older, realizing that saying yes to the things that don't serve you and that, that they don't expand you kind of thing. It's like, I don't have to be worried about disappointing people. You have to know when to say no to certain things and you have to know when to say yes to certain things and finding out what those, what those things are takes took time for me. Cause I would say yes to everything. Yes. was just, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. How high? Oh yeah. I'll do this. Yeah. And sometimes that would burn me. Like it would burn me out or it would, Oh, I got connected with the wrong person and yeah, I should have true. seen that, you know, the energy wasn't right. And I, I didn't trust my gut. And now I'm listening to my gut a lot more. And I, not necessarily every interaction that is always going to be worth it. If that makes sense. Yeah, um, no, that makes perfect sense in the industry you know, we are taught to say yes, right? Just take mm-hmm. what opportunity comes along. You never know when the other one. Yeah. It's interesting because I also hear a really strong thing about you wouldn't take no for an answer, right? So, yeah. it's, so yeah. which is cool. I mean, that's, that's a real strength, right? Yeah. Yeah. Talk, talk to me about that. Well, I mean, in the industry, we get no a lot. I mean, this year, I think I've got, or this during the pandemic specifically, I've gotten no more than I've ever had in my life, in my career. And it's about having the resilience to be able to take those no's, I think, and keep moving forward uh, and try not to take those no's uh, personally. And I think uh, uh, something that's made me a little bit better at that is understanding also, like when I say no, sometimes it's not because I dislike the person or, you know, it's, it, it wasn't any good or, you know, whatever. It's just, wasn't the right fit or, or whatever. And we're moving on. Everybody else is moving on. Like nobody's thinking about you as much as you think (laughs) people are thinking about you and nobody's sitting there going like, that guy's awful. No. Like, it's like, Oh, he's terrible. No, it's just, no, not, not for us kind of thing. And if you can kind of try to see it that way, uh, it becomes a little bit easier to to take, especially as an actor and as an artist and all that kind of stuff. But, and I'm, I mean, look, easier to say, than to actually, you know, do, but, uh, I try, I try to stay in that, in that lane, in that, in that, uh, mindset, but not taking no for an answer is also just, uh, you keep, you keep trying. You just keep, if you keep knocking on the door, if the door's not opening, you build your own and you, you find other ways in, uh, like this book, I was told, no, I was told no a number of times by the publishers and lit agents and nobody wanted to take it on. And so, does it sit there and never get made and I never share it with anybody or do I sit down, do the work, get it to to be in a professional place and self-publish it. And that's what I decided to do. And and I'm so happy I've I've done that because it's doing really well. It's being received very well. uh, And it would just literally be sitting there if I just took no as, as the answer. Nope. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's interesting. I have a 
I've, I've heard the, the, uh, the expression or, you know, what do you think of like, no is, um, no, isn't no, no means stands for next one. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I've never heard that one before. I like it. I, like yeah, it. I love that. Right. Cause the, yeah. Then it's especially for someone like you who describes yourself certainly certainly as as a youngster, but by, you know we don't really change right as hungry yeah. you know as, yeah. as like next one light lights you up clearly right oh cool yeah. so so nos can become actually really cool because the sooner you get to the no yeah right, that's true move on to the next one uh, that's right just tell me yes or no because I got to move on yeah like, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing on, yeah. let's break up already you know <laughs> yeah exactly we're wasting you know precious time here we could be doing other things and moving on yeah, yeah that's true i really like that yeah. i never really thought about it like that way before but i, I like it i'm gonna take that i'm gonna put it in my pocket thank you yeah no please please, <laughs> please no absolutely sounds like you said no to cancer too to be honest yeah i did i really did i think I didn't know what I was getting into when uh, I was diagnosed, which I think a little bit of that ignorance into what I was about to endure was a good thing at the time. I think if I had known what I was about to embark on, uh, I would have been a lot more scared. So I went in with this kind of like, okay, like bring it on. Let's go. I can... I can do this. You know, I was thinking of all the Mario Lemieux and the Saku Koivus and the Lance Armstrongs. And again, I, did, I, I didn't have a great sense of what the actual uh, physical toll uh, that chemotherapy and the emotional toll and mental toll that it took on not just me, but the people around me and the fa mm -hmm. my family. And, just, and I think what I learned as I was going through it was that a lot of people don't actually know uh, what it is to go through uh, cancer unless they've either gone through it themselves or been really, really close to somebody who is going through it and they're there with them like every day. Um, and, and, and I think that was also kind of what propelled me to publish my memoirs is kind of get that kind of story out of out, but saying no to cancer was definitely, it was, it was definitely something that, I knew I was going to take each day and every minute, every hour, it was like running a marathon. And it was just like, you're not going to get me. You're not going to get me. You're not going to get me. And I just kept kind of that mentality throughout it all. Yeah. I knew, and it was a two year treatment protocol, right? So it was very long, uh, very grueling. Uh, and so I had to have the mindset of, uh, of, I mean, no seems appropriate, but like, you're not going to get me kind of thing. Mm. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that with me. First of all, um, the, the parallel to just, I mean, we don't know each other, but just, just what little I know about you already mm. is, is so clear, you know, <laughs> knowing that you wanted to be a comedian, mm. um, not being the class clown, but rather knowing that you could, provide ease to the people around you through humor that stood out. Yeah. To me. Yeah. Um, so you were kind of in some ways looking at it and looking at how you could, let's say contribute or how you could use your talent. I hear that. And then I also hear, which, which obviously you went on to do after your trial with cancer in, in a big mm -hmm. way. I'm also hearing a parallel between the, you know, the knocking on door phase of your, of your career where you were being, you know, shut down a lot saying you can't do this, you can't do this. And yet you kept doing it and created a life 
of your own, right? And mm-hmm. and and so on. So it's it's really interesting. I always find it really interesting. Um, you know, when we look back on our patterns of the way we are, we, we can find the connections, right? We're so connected. Mm-hmm. Like you're not. You're, we're, we're, it's all part of it. What do you think of that? When I say that, well, uh, I I believe in that uh, fully. I think it's just sometimes hard to see it for yourself. You're just doing it. And it's, that's how, and it's hard to kind of, and as I tell like the, these stories sometimes, and as I'm, I'm talking to you, I'm like, oh yeah, I did do that. And I, and I, I did then create a, create a show. And then I, I, and then I did continue to push forward. And I, and I, I you know no matter how much I was getting kind of beat up or said no to, and it's, it, it's, it's weird to look back on it and then see that progress and how this is the pattern. This is what I continue to, to do. Um, and I don't give myself much credit for it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not just not doing enough, you know, like it always feels like it's not, it's not enough sometimes, uh, which is, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And, you know, I, I, uh, in this moment, I celebrate you for, for that, you know, not, not because you survived cancer, but rather because you are always, again, from what little I know of you, you know, from what I can see, what I'm learning, you use what you've got for the greater good. So I just, I honor you for that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I've always believed that uh, a comedian's job or an artist's job or whatever is, is to entertain, is, is to provide that kind of ease. And so I'm, I, I never like thinking about, about doing it for myself. It always feels like if there's no audience to perform for you know, like it's for, it's for the audience. Right. And, um, I think I had two options. I could have just been done with, with cancer and, and moved on, but just kept speaking to me. And I, I do listen to those pings too. And there's certain things that just speak to you. And if they keep speaking to me, I'm just like, okay, follow that and just kind of go in that direction. And, uh, and one of the biggest challenges is cancer is not funny. It's not funny. This is not a funny thing to go through. Uh, but as a comedian, I was like, how can I entertain an audience while telling them my, my cancer story and making it funny? How can I do that? Yeah. <laughs> and so it was kind of a challenge. It was, a, it was, I kind of took it as a bit of a, as a bit of a challenge. Like I can do this. Cause a lot of people are like, no, you can't again. Mm. No, you don't, don't do that. Just don't do it. And I was like, watch, watch, I'm going to do it. And, um, and I did. I mean, we won the cat and I did do it, uh, which is still hard for me to like say. It's always weird for me to be like pump, pump my own tires mm-hmm. that like I yeah. did it. But it was a funny show. It was a really, really funny show. And everybody was always entertained and, and inspired at the end of it. There was also moments of levity. Like it was like a roller coaster of emotions. But and I think it had to be in order for it to to maintain that legitimacy, I guess. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. So it's so not being glib about it, not just kind of making yeah. fun of, you weren't making fun of it. You were actually, you know, taking something really devastating, um, yeah. you know, yeah. and providing catharsis through That's your right. experience. You exactly. Know? That's exactly it. That is exactly it. Yeah. And uh, it resonated. It resonated with a lot of people. And, and that was amazing. You know, again, I, I was only planning on doing the show once because I just wanted to get it out there. Mm. And then after that, I was like, I'll just move. I'll go back to sketch comedy and improv. No, I just won't, you know, be, be an actor again and film TV, all that stuff. But the show just kept kind of moving. 
it just kept people just kept wanting more and they wanted me to share it over here, share it over there, do it for this chair, do it for that, do, you know, took it across the country. And, uh, it was, a, it's, it's been an amazing experience. And then now there's this, this book, it's just kind of like cancer just keeps kind of, <laughs> you know, just keeps on giving, <laughs> keeps on giving <laughs> in a weird way. <laughs> oh my yeah. god can, can you tell us sort of sort of take us back you yeah. were 25 so that's it i think that's you know when we're talking about young daniel you know there's something else i would have told him was like slow down that was part of it too like which i think i mentioned that i lived that kind of lifestyle of a young single guy in the city uh pursuing the dream and but, but a little bit rock star a little too much rock star kind of stuff and so what happened was one night i drank too much and for some reason, one of the things I loved to do was I would just sprint down, down the sidewalk as fast as I could. There was some black ice. I slipped. I, I fell pretty hard and I dislocated my collarbone. It was basically sticking out of my skin almost. Hadn't, hadn't you know punctured through the skin, but you could see this bone just kind of sticking up out of my shoulder. And when I had looked in the mirror at my, at my apartment... I, I don't do well with, with blood and I don't do well with, uh, you know, gruesome injuries, especially on myself. And when I saw my collarbone, the way it was, I fainted oh and I, I cracked my chin on the porcelain sink, uh, beneath me and I passed out and woke up. I don't know how much, how much longer later with blood all over the place. And I just went to, to bed which probably wasn't a good idea. I probably had a concussion and uh, like I, I, I was at my ultimate low and then I fainted again in the shower and almost hit my head on the, 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 the faucet. And I was like, I could be dead. Like I, I, in that moment, I was like, wow, I almost died. This is the lowest moment of my life. Nothing could get lower <laughs> than this. And literally three months later, I'm diagnosed with stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma with a grapefruit-sized tumor sitting on top of my heart. And it was a major, major wake-up call for me to, I was like, is this the universe telling me slow down? Like, is this someone saying, hey, just, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta settle down because you're, you're lucky, you know, you, that could, that could have been it. And then it's like, now you have cancer. Now this could be it. So there was a lot of reflection. I had a lot of time to reflect over those two years about my life and what's important. And, you know, uh, and it gave me a lot of perspective. And I, and I think that comes across a lot in the book about life in general, you know, getting perspective um, when you're in those moments of despair, or tragedy. Uh, yeah, changed my life, maybe yeah. for the better. Yeah. What's your definition of living in the moment? Living in the moment to me is always staying present. And it's very hard to do because we can always say that that's what you got to do and you got to stay in the present because there's no past, there's no future, there's only the present, this kind of thing, which is a great way to think, but it's such a hard thing to execute. I really do try to embrace the good moments, but, but also accept the the bad ones and know that it'll pass. Living in the moment to me is like, if you don't do anything, nothing happens. But if you do something, something could happen. Something might not happen, but you're giving yourself the option for it to happen. So living in the moment is always, to me, giving yourself options for life to unfold. 
But if you're just sitting there and doing literally nothing, nothing's going to move, move forward for you. So living in the moment is, is, is saying yes, as much as we were saying about talking about saying no, but it's like saying yes, saying yes to the things that, uh, that work, that scare you. That's, I don't want it. It's scary. But if I say no to it, then, then nothing, there's no potential of it happening. But when I say yes to it, I'm giving myself uh, a shot at something happening and I'll have to deal with the rejection or the, the failure or the whatever, but I've dealt with lots of that. <laughs> and so it gets a little bit easier each, each time, I think. So where's, you know the, I mean? so, where's the moment? Are you saying that you create the moment? So if you do it, the, the doing it is the moment or is, is, yeah. the, I'm so, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, the doing it is the moment to me. Uh, I think. It's the, it's, it's the moment. It's the, it's the, like the saying yes. And then jumping in. If, if that makes sense, it's the, it's the jumping. It's, and, it's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. It's very interesting because, and I wanted to ask you, um, I find, I find comedians the bravest people in the world, first of all, because <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah. you know, and maybe that's just my limiting belief about maybe it's not scary at all, but um, uh, it's, it, yeah. Tell me, talk to me about that. Like, and actually in the context of what you're just saying, it feels to me again, from, you know, the, the neophyte that I am about with talking with comedians, honestly, um, <laughs> like what does that relate to how you approach comedy that, that what you just told me and what you just shared with me about in the moment? Yeah, it does. Because I think as a comedian, we can sometimes, you know, if we're too precious about what we're doing, uh, we'll never get anything done. So you have to be able to, let's say, stand up comedy. I mean, comedy is such a broad, like to me, comedy is, there's a lot more than just, you know, stand up comedy. But yeah. we'll use stand up comedy as an example. Like if I want to try some material, but I'm worried that it's not going to work. I still have to try it. Like I still have to go out and, and attempt to succeed at it. I will likely fail. The audience will likely won't laugh, but I still have to go out and, and, and try to succeed. The, what I've learned over the years though, is that, is that no, like, again, you don't get anything by not trying it. So if I don't try the material out, I don't know if it's funny. I don't know if, I don't know if it is. I don't know if it isn't. And I have a joke that nobody ever hears and it goes to nowhere. It's, it's just for me, who cares? So if I go out on stage, I know it's probably going to fail, but I might be able to get something from it or it does really well. And it's like, thank goodness I did that or it's awful. And it's a terrible experience, but I learned from it. So you just have to kind of do it. And what I've learned over the years too, is that it doesn't really as long as you're not making that moment, like oh, I'm doing a five minute open mic, you know, night, the moment. Cause I used to do that. I used to put so much pressure on those like five minutes. Like I got to go out there and I got to kill it. And I got to have the whole audience, you know, standing or whatever. And then I realized, no, this is a place to train. This is a place to kind of just see what is hitting. And then you come back and you rework it and you edit it and you do it again. And you try, you polish that stone. And then when you're ready, to bring it to that next level you go and you rent the theater and you get all the people to come and you do it's like a theater show right like you rehearse you rehearse you rehearse you rehearse to the point where it looks like you're doing it for the first time and then you go out there and you perform it but you can't be afraid to try 
your stuff uh, first. Otherwise, you're just you're just sitting there writing for no one, <laughs> and that's no fun. Yep. Yeah. Wow, it's very well said. And I was smiling, big smile, because um, I I saw again, you know, very young Daniel assessing the classroom. Yeah. <laughs> and wondering what would land. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was always very much like if I let too much time pass before I told my joke, I knew it was too late. And so I'd leave it. I just wouldn't. And every once in a while I'd be like, Oh wait, I still have a beat. I still have a beat. And then I would, <laughs> I would throw it out and it would get a laugh. And I was like, oh, okay, yes. Okay. I did that right. But so timing was such a big thing for me. I loved, I loved the timing of, of, of jokes and just the right play on word at the right time or the little remark and that kind of thing. Mm. It brings ease, ease to the class. It lets people realize you don't have to take things so seriously. That's, I think that's what I love about comedy as well is that let's all not take ourselves so seriously. You're like, you know, nobody knows what they're doing. We're all just kind of <laughs> trying and trying to enjoy life. Just trying to live in the moment, trying to, trying to do all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I love it. We we could just riff off of everything you just told me now, just like forever, but I won't, I'll, I'll resist. <laughs> there's, there's just so much, in, no, but there's just so much in there. Like there's so much in there, you know, like uh, it, it stood out to me that you said you don't gain anything unless you do it, mm-hmm. and I, which is an interesting way of saying another, you know, sort of idiom, which is you've got nothing to lose. Yeah. It's a, it means the same thing, but you use the different words, which yeah. is interesting. And if I were your yeah. coach, we'd go into that because because okay. do, do you know do you do you hear what I'm saying? The distinction, yeah. Yeah. the distinctions we make, and the language we use, and the way we perceive things, which you well know, mm-hmm. affect the way we operate, affect what we do next, affect the sure. choices we make, affect the lenses yeah. that we're looking through, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah. that was really fascinating to me. What would you say? You what's your greatest fear? Well, it's funny. I said all that other stuff. It's a uh, failure, uh, you know, like <laughs> after I'm like, well, you got to fail. But that is, um, I, well, actually, sometimes my, my greatest fear is, you know, what other people are going to think of me. I spent a lot of time uh, fearing whether or not people are going to like me. And I've, I've kind of grown past that a little bit. I think as I've gotten a little bit older and uh, a little more experienced in life, but uh, you know, I think that's probably one of my biggest fears. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, it's a perfectly natural fear, right? Yeah. I mean, in fact, it's probably what all of us are hardwired for, for, you know, for most Maybe. of the history. Yeah. I think it probably comes from the fact that when you have like uh, that desire to uh, pursue a dream and go like, I'm going to get this, this golden nugget. I'm going to, I'm going to live this dream and nothing's going to stop me. The fear of not achieving what you had envisioned, you know, at a young age, uh, it, you can, it feels a bit, there's been maybe shame attached to it or like, ah, oh, I just, I, I can't, I you know your pride gets in the way and, yeah. uh, and you, you're like, if I don't attain this, uh, and you're so you're so afraid of not attaining this thing, but there's nothing to attain. What you realize later is like you're just like there's nothing to actually. There's no golden carrot. There's no there's no end of this road. It's the journey. It's the whole thing. And and you take a second and reflect and you go, I am doing it. 
this this was the dream like this is what you had envisioned you know in in a certain way you know like uh you know am i on as many red carpets as i'd like to be on no you know uh, like that, that that kind of envisionment you know am i performing in front of thousands of people every night no but but have i and have i got to experience those kind of moments in life yes of course and have i and I'm, am I an actor full time? Is this what I'm doing for a living? Yes, I am. So like, am I a comedian? Yeah. You know, so like you, when you really put it in yourself, you're like, that's the dream. That's what you were doing. But it's hard to see that. And I fear, you just always fear what's next, you know, sometimes too. Like, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. If, if we were to talk again in, oh, I don't know, two, three years, you call mm-hmm. me and you say, Lisa, my God, my, my life is complete. It's amazing. It's just like, it's transformed even, you know, beyond my wildest dreams. What, what would you be telling me? Mm. Wow. I like it. Uh, I think I would say, uh, that I have found, I've, I'm, I am a voice for, uh, for good for a lot of people. And I'm helping like so many people right now. Uh, to, to a place that I could never have imagined that uh, that impact that you can have on other people's lives. Uh, I'm, I'm directly affecting and like changing people's lives for the better. Uh, that would be something that I could, I would love to call you up and tell you that I'm doing on like a really, on a really grand stage and a grand scale. Mm, yeah. That's yeah. brilliant. That, I mean, that'd be, that's the dream. I've always, I always loved, I've always been inspired by uh, comedians and, and actors and, and things where I'm like, oh, that changed my life. That was such a big part of my childhood, you know, that kind of thing. And I've always wanted to be that, you know, instrument or thing for, uh, for someone else, you know, mm. uh, it's, I just feel like it's such a cool, it's such a, I don't know, it's just such a great feeling. It's, uh, uh, I've never felt more rewarded than stepping off stage after one of my shows and having an audience member thank me for, you know, sharing my story. Uh, it's the greatest, it's the, it's, there's no, uh, there's no uh, financial value that you can put on that. And then, you know, yeah. a, a ticket sale is great. A book sale is great, but it's the impact that it's having on someone that is far, far greater and that's such a hard and it's such a hard uh, thing to explain to uh, uh, people because it's like, yeah, what's the dollar value? What's the bottom line? What's how much money can this thing? And you're like, don't worry, it's just, it's just think about how this could help people, maybe, and 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 how much of a greater impact that is than the, you know, x amount of dollars it's going to raise or whatever. So, well, that's you know. Hell yeah. But you can have both, you know, I mean, in you fact, can have in both. Fact, you yeah. really, in fact, both go really well together. I like to think of, um, you know, when you look at how much money you make, um, you know, as a, whatever it is you're doing, someone who, where impact is important, you know, the, the dollar signs don't mean, oh, I made this much money. It means I've yeah. made this. It means you're making a lot of impact. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. I wish I looked at it more like that uh, too. I wish I looked at it more, more in that way. Cause I always, I think there's some, like, there's some guilt about, uh, I'm really opening up here. There's a, <laughs> some guilt about, uh, you know, m- you know, making money, uh, when it comes to like, 
my, my cancer experience or, or whatever, when I know genuinely from my heart, I'm really just trying to like, uh, you know, help people and like get this, this story out because I know the impact that it's had on people on it. And, and it's cathartic for me and it's, it's enjoyable for me because I get to make people laugh and I get to entertain them. And that's what I love doing. And then you're like, but if I make money doing it, it's a weird kind of thing. And I need, I, I don't have that switch in my brain to say, Dan, the more money, the better the impact, like the bigger the impact. So uh, that's a beautiful way of looking at it. I'm going to take that one and yeah. put it in my pocket as well. <laughs> that's yours. That's yours. You know, and obviously, you know, we have our cash projects and we have our, you know, sexy oh, projects, sure. you know, sure. but, but sure. there's nothing wrong with your sexy project becoming the cash project. So that, I mean, you are the, you are the brand of totally, what yeah. you're the only one that creates the particular impact that you can. You're not the yeah. only one that can, you know, impact people who, who relate, relate to your subject matter, but you're the only one that can do it the way you do it. Yes. And in order yes. to survive <laughs> and all you can do is do it the way you do it because right. it's just you. So yeah. Yeah. why the hell not, you know, do it the best you can. And when you're doing it the best you can, you're going to get paid to do what you do and you're going to make more impact. So there you go. I love there it. it is. <laughs> Boom. Boom. Mic drop. I yeah, mic drop. Exactly. What, um, what do you know will be true about you no matter what happens? Um, I will always be, uh, generous and kind to people. I, uh, I treat everybody that I meet, uh, the same way. They all have potential to be, uh, a great person. Mm. And I'm, and I'm always willing to, you know, chat and, 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 and talk about you. And I don't, that will never change about me. I don't think it ever will. That's beautiful. Mm. Why is that important to you? Do you think? I think it's important to me because I think when I was uh, younger, I think maybe some people didn't give, uh, I, I hated seeing bullies. I hated seeing people get mistreated for literally no reason at all. Like no, people aren't in, always in control of like, of their life and what they're and who they are and we don't know everybody's story you know we don't know what's going on in uh, in everybody's life you don't know what anybody's going through so i always try to give the benefit of the doubt and say you know like this is maybe coming from this or that i'm not going to be quick to judge i try not to be quick to judge uh, on things so uh, and i think it just came from yeah just seeing people see seeing how much how much uh how much better it is to be kinder to people than it is to be uh, harsh and rude. Yeah. 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 You get something out of it, which is beautiful, right? I mean, it's much like mm -hmm. you're entertaining, you know, or you're making people laugh. Mm -hmm. It fills you. It kind of, it, it finishes the cycle a little bit too. Yeah. Right. And, and it's so funny because again, <laughs> I just point out, sorry, this is what I think, but um you know, you talked about living in the moment or, you know, we were talking about that. Um, if you, if you don't do it, then you won't know. Mm -hmm. Same thing. If you don't talk yeah. to a person on yeah. the street or have a conversation with somebody, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And what's wrong with <laughs> finding out <laughs> what's wrong with like, you know, taking yeah. a couple seconds to potentially help somebody, even if it's just find directions or whatever, you never knew what, what was going on. So yeah. yeah. 
yeah. No, for sure. And there's also a really good distinction in there. Just uh, just throwing back into your pot for you, if you want to take it, is that it's a parallel to you know how in our in our industry everyone talks about networking. You know, you got to network. You yeah. got to you got to meet people. Yeah, yeah. So that is true. It is true that when you meet people, th- things open yeah. up. But if the reason sure. is just to go out and network rather than to connect, actually connect. Yeah. Unattached is a very different thing, just as making, you know, doing comedy to make money is a very different thing than making money doing comedy. Two totally different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's just a a different way of, and and you're screaming loud and clear your values. You're living through your values. It's very clear to me. It's beautiful. (laughs) No, no, it's it's really, really beautiful. Um, Can you finish this phrase? Most people think Daniel is, but the truth is Daniel Stolfi is... Wow. Most people think, oh, most people think Daniel is shy. But the truth is, uh, Daniel's very <laughs> outgoing. So it, it's it's funny, and I, I didn't know this about myself, but uh, most people, when they first meet me, very intimidated. Uh, I think just from uh, my look, I don't know. I've never known what it was. Uh, and I'm quiet. I'm just a quiet quiet guy kind of thing. Like when I'm at a party, I don't just come in guns blazing, which I used to, I used to be that kind of guy. Like, Hey, how's everybody doing it? And then I realized like, I'm like, I just I'm gonna chill out. I'll, I'll be here. And if people want to chat, we'll chat. And I think, so people are like, Oh, he's so quiet. He's such a, he's such a like introverted guy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm like, I'm not at all. It's just that I don't, I don't feel the need to, be extroverted in this moment. Like I've just met you <laughs> like for the first time. So we're going to try to get to know each other a little bit. Uh, I don't need to be like, uh, so, so, uh, in your face and I can save that for the stage. There's a whole stage that I get to do that on. Uh, mm. and, I, and I, and I can perform there, you know, it's kind of how I've, I've separated those two kind of worlds, you know, there's so much energy that has to go into performance and doing that thing. And uh, anyway, yeah, so I think that would be it. It's just like that yeah. people think that I'm shy, but it's, I'm actually quite, and, and unapproachable, but I'm actually very, very approachable. And very like, totally. It's like I was saying like, hey, well, we'll chat. Like, you just want to talk, let's, let's talk. But I think that, I think I'm, I think I give off an intimidating vibe. That's what I've been told, so. That's yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. Is. I love that though because it kind of speaks to also your kind of quest for, uh, you know, slowing down a little bit. So that yeah. that idea of like you don't need to prove anything, you know, and mm-hmm. people can interpret if they want, and they will find out if they ask. Yeah, you don't have to like throw it out there. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, I could talk to you all day. This has been really lovely. Yeah, I just can ask great. you a few more things. I, I'm not going to. Sure. Um, so let me, let me ask you. Um, oh, let's do this. <laughs> well, yeah, let's do this. So I'm going to say uh, what makes you. I'm going to say a word and then you can say what comes to mind. You can play it rapid fire if you want. You don't have to. Okay. You all know right. what I mean? So if you, yeah, yeah, I got that's it. fun yeah. to just like blurt stuff out, go for it. Try if it. You, let's you, try it. Just whatever you want. Okay. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right. What makes you hungry? Food? I know what you meant, but. What did I mean? I don't know what I meant. Uh, 
yeah, food. Food makes me hungry. Does that make sense? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love this question. What came into your head? Be, be honest with me. What came into your head when I said hungry? Honestly, food. Food made, food was what first came to head. And I'm like, I can't say that. And then I started like thinking about all these other things. Like That's what I'm interested in. What were the other things? What were the other uh, things? Uh, well, I, like money came into my head. I was like, money makes me hungry. <laughs> like, as in like, you know, I want to, I yeah. want to get money. Um, interesting. Yeah. I, Isn't it interesting though, that like, no, hungry is such a good question because, yeah, and, and it's funny. I discovered this along the way. It's not why I did it. Like it wasn't my plan to do this, but this is what's unfolded is yeah. I always ask people these questions and hungry is always one of them. Um, and it's usually the, it, it's the first one usually. And we usually, we've been talking deeply. And so mm. someone that, that is really, you know, trying to be on their game. Yeah. will then say something very esoteric. Well, you know, art, yeah. great art, you know, yeah. someone really honest. profound. Like, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and, and it's so funny because did you see how you hesitated? You were so ready to go fast. Yeah. And if you had said your first thought, which was food, which is yeah. true and nor, and you know, like, well, it's true. Yeah. Um, but everything else slowed you down. All the other thoughts of what what you should say, what's she gonna think, blah blah blah. Yeah, totally. All totally. that stuff. Just <laughs> FYI, all those things are. Pay attention to them. Okay. Because those are things that block your energy. Yeah. And you don't have to change. You can still decide that you want to show up for Lisa in an esoteric way with her question. You can still decide that, no. you know, or, or show up, yeah, yeah, yeah. but to be at choice rather than default, like, oh, okay, this is a podcast. It's so funny, right? Don't oh, fully. Don't That's screw what's going up. On. Don't, That's what's you know, going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's amazing. It's it, but this is an improv uh, game basically. Mm. And you, it, but, but, and the whole thing is to get out of your head. Just say the first thing that, you know, and mm -hmm. It was one of the things with, with improv that I always had to work on very, because as a comedian, you're so used to writing everything down and, mm. and developing it. And then it's, ready it. to, then it's ready to perform. Improv is like, first thing in your head, I don't care what it is, say it. And you're like, oh, no, it's going to sound stupid. Or it's, it's not the right word. I didn't say it right. And you're constant. It's about shutting off that. Yep. Those voices, right? And just kind of. The brain freaks out when it doesn't know context. That's what happened. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> and you saw it. I mean, I don't think anybody else, I mean. Yeah, it was beautiful. No, it's, it's so cool though, but, because uh, if I had is... said to you, in the context of life, what makes you mm. happy? That would have been easy. Yeah, art. Yeah. Laughter. Exactly. Theater. Anyway, Humor. sorry, yeah. I, I digress, <laughs> but I just found that so interesting. I, I'll edit it so you sound brilliant, but um, no. no. <laughs> Don't. This is better. This is no, no, I know. Yeah, I think it is. It is really interesting because we all do it. All right, but here comes here comes more questions. Yeah. Um, what makes you sad? Uh, people's pain. Mm. Makes me sad. Mm -hmm. What inspires you? Others, uh, uh, people who go after what they want. Mm. Me. What frustrates you? Pandemic frustrates me. Uh, what makes you laugh? My daughter makes me laugh. <laughs> She's one. Oh. <laughs> she makes me laugh. She's funny. I think she has the. I think she has the timing. I think she got it from me. We'll see. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. So, can she actually? 
know that she's going to make you? Do you see her doing that? Oh, I, I, there's just things that she's doing that are too well-timed that you're like, that's, you, I don't know if she knows she's doing it, but I've seen other kids and they're not, they're not delivering it like she is. So it's a weird, it's a, it's an interesting thing to witness. Mm. Uh, and you don't know if it's a natural thing that she just sort of understands when to make that, that yeah. shout out. Uh, to make us laugh or she's just it's just random fluke every time that she's doing it but i love it mm-hmm. again context right who really knows? Yeah. i love it yeah. i love it um what makes you angry uh oh people who make me wait mm. yeah oh, fair enough and finally what what makes you grateful uh my friends and family. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, what are the, uh, what are the top three things that have happened so far today? Uh, doing this here with you has Hmm. been amazing. Uh, I took my dog to the vet and everything was great. Apparently he was such a good boy, (laughs) which is, uh, always nice to hear. Um, what else happened? That was great today. Oh, got a very nice uh, email from uh, someone that we are potentially working with professionally, which is very nice. Yeah. Amazing. And what's something you're looking forward to um, in the future? Uh, uh, Going to Italy. I'm actually going uh, to a wedding in Italy, traveling for the first time in, I don't know, three, four years, right? And so very, very excited. Listen, Daniel, it's been such a joy speaking with you. Really, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. This is great. I learned a lot about myself (laughs) in this. (laughs) Oh, that's terrific. I've been speaking today with Daniel Stolfi. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. And remember to live in the moment. In music, stop time is that beautiful moment where the band is suspended in rhythmic unison, supporting the soloist to express their individuality. In the moment, I encourage you to take that time and create your own rhythm. Until next time, I'm Lisa Hopkins. Thanks for listening.